BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Doug Fletcher. Doug is an author, speaker, and an educator. He's out of Bozeman, Montana. He is the founder of Fletcher and Company. The reason Doug is on the podcast today is because of both him and his co-author of How Clients Buy on back-to-back episodes here because I just, I thought the book was absolutely fascinating. But before we bring Doug on, we are going to talk a little bit about decision-making. Yes? Sure. Well, and the so I, I read the excerpt that he has on his website from his book. and it's, His new book. Yeah, his new book. And he's which talk- is called How to Win Client Business. Yes. And it... Uh, I, we just sound utterly unprepared right we now. We do. But and the, we're not. But the, the, the book, I really... Uh, I, I like what I read in that one little excerpt that I read because it's really just proves the point that people are dumb. Like they don't make <laughs> rational decisions. And so you have to sell to them emotionally. You have to connect with them another way, not connect, not connect with them like on a utility aspect, because even in the, the quote that was in there was uh, between these two people, these two researchers, Tversky and Kahneman, um, communication between them just said when people make decisions, they don't, they don't seek to maximize utility. They seek to minimize regret. So when you're selling, we deal with this all the time when it comes to our clients and and people who we potentially, you know, our leads is here's what I think I want, but here's what I really need. And here's what you're actually going to sell me. There's like three different things going on there because like we, we know what they need, but that's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not helpful or useful to them. They want something else, and then what they actually get is is probably even something different than that once we figure out what the actual problems are that we're trying to solve. Yeah, I think in general, so their entire book on um, how clients buy is really talks about the importance of, so it's talking about service, not product, right? When you sell a service and how all of that is around building the relationships, you know, people needing to know that they need to be aware of you, right? There's sort of this process that they work through and they don't necessarily have to hit on all seven steps of it, but they certainly are going to hit the bulk of them. And very infrequently or a very small part of it is actually knowing what they need to buy, right? It's more about, do they know you exist? Do they like you? Do they, is the timing right for them? Um, and then that the big piece of it is the, the trust. And I think that trust feeds well into this because it's easy to have regrets about buying decisions if you're not really clear on what you need, right? Sure. And there's always, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of buyer's remorse because there's, there's the- always. Well, yeah, there's always, I mean, there's a cost to any decision you make. Like if I choose one thing, I'm not getting the other things. And so there's that cost there. And Mm -hmm. you could always look back and be like, oh, well, the house I bought is nice, 
But the other one had a slightly bigger yard, and it was closer to the grocery store. But this one's nice. Like, you still think that way. Like, even when everything's awesome, you're still like, well, it's not everything I wanted. So it's like, I, I it's always there. And I, like, in, you know, what they said there, the, the they, people seek to minimize regret. Like, you're trying to figure out whatever decision it is that's going to give you the least amount of pain, not the most benefits. So how do you how do you how do we leverage that to our advantage when it comes to selling services for SP Pace to prospective clients? I have no idea. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So I guess that's a question that we should yes. ask Doug when I'm he glad comes that on, he's the, coming on, on the, the show. podcast. Yes. Um, so yeah, because um, another thing they say that he says here in this in his up or in his newer book is, you know, human decision making is influenced by regret avoidance. Um, and any steps that as, that we can take as professionals to reduce this anticipated feeling will increase our chances of success. So helping people to understand why it's a good decision to move forward with b- buying and what the benefits of what they're going to get out of it. And maybe even seeing almost that counterbalance of here's what you might lose if you don't make the decision or if you don't move forward. And that's, I think, the important part if we're going to run with that strategy because we could pitch benefits all day long. That's all stuff they're getting. What we need to pitch is what they're missing if they don't purchase. Like what, what's that? I mean, it's, yeah, that it, feels like it plays on fear. Though. I know that was just going to say, it sounds like we're going to use fear to sell. I don't like that. I don't either. But so I, I think this is, this is going to be a great conversation with Doug. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, as I'm sure you are as well. Cause I, 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 I really have many questions and we know a lot of people who sell services, right? So could benefit them in terms of how they're doing business. I don't know many people in my network that have read this book. Um, but, and I'm definitely excited to read um, his next book. I have it. It should be arriving in the next day or two in my mailbox. So I'm going to dive into that one as fast as I did the first one. Yeah. And I think that it it's, not so much, I, I guess it is fear. When I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put that because it's like, it, it's kind of like the the sleazy late night telemarketer, commercial, QVC, whatever. Like buy now. If you don't buy within the next 15 minutes, you're not going to get two of this product. And it's like, it, like I guess it still is a fear. It's the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not so much like buy this now or your business is going to go under, which, you know, we're not trying to sell that way, obviously. Right. Yeah. I'll be very curious to hear about the, what he, where he finds the balance on this. So, all right, should we take a quick break and then bring him in? Sounds good. With so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business, their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at certivium.com. All right. Welcome back to the show. We are excited to have Doug Fletcher with us. Hey, Doug. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell our audience a little bit about what it is that you do and how it is that you became such an expert on selling or how clients buy, really, how people buy services, because I, you're, 
your books are just absolutely fascinating to me. They're, it's like a Bible for anybody who sells a service. Well, thank you. That's very kind. And uh, yeah, so just a quick, quick backstory of me. I, uh, uh, I had a reasonably successful career in management consulting for about uh, 20 years. And I was a co-founder in a boutique consulting firm that we subsequently sold in 2014. And I've spent the last seven years on a mission to try to better understand the whole like consumer behavior around how clients make decisions when they hire consultants and, and professionals like us. And um, so that's what I've been up to the last seven years. And as you mentioned, I've uh, uh, written two books. I co-wrote the first one with Tom McMakin, How Clients Buy. And my new one, which just uh, dropped about a month ago, is called How to Win Client Business. And um, so that's what I've been up to. It's so interesting to me because um, both Corey and I were in consulting before we started our own company, right? Before we started SB Pace. And one of the reasons that we started our own company was because we hated the principle that we had seen played out over and over and over again in bigger consulting companies, which was clients being sold things they just didn't need, right? We saw it happen all right, the, like these right, high pressure right. sales. And Neither one of us has a sales background. And so the whole concept of selling is was very foreign to us when we started the company, which, as you can imagine, was not a benefit for us. Um, but it's it's interesting because there was I felt like when I read how clients buy, it was like this bolt of lightning, just like, oh, wow, like things I felt in some ways validated and in other ways, like I actually had a roadmap for how to do some things that I couldn't quite figure out before that aligned really well with our brand. Well, good. Well, that was, you know, that was Tom's and my hope and ambition when we wrote how clients buy um, was to, was to try to make sense of this whole journey that clients are on and trying to figure out, you know, who to, who to partner with to, to help them solve their problems. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, Julie, the um, whatever service business we're in, whether, you know, we're a web designer or financial advisor or a PR consultant or whatever, we've all been trained to do our job, but we've never been trained to win client business. And if anybody's ever gone out on their own as a solopreneur or, you know, aspires to be, you know, to co-found a, a boutique firm or become a partner in a larger firm, we have to demonstrate the ability to win client business. And we've never been taught how to do this. And to your first point about, you know, you and Corey had never really had a lot of sales background. I think, and, and I didn't either, by the way, when I co-founded my firm. And I, um, I think, I think in many ways we're better off not having sold a product. I mean, many of us have sold a product when we were kids or early adults or something. But I think in professional services, the consumer behavior is so different. And if we come into the professional services with a mindset that I'm selling, I think in a lot of ways we're starting um, in, in, a, in, a, in a worse off place than if we came just with, you know, like a complete blank slate. So I, um, I hear you. I want to jump into the, like, the concept of just what people want versus what they need. 
because I know for myself, I, I feel like a sleazy, sleazy salesman um, when people are, you know, they're talking about these things that they want. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to sell that to you because you don't need it. It, it seems like something that's going to be helpful, but it's not. And what you really need is something completely different, but that's not fun. That's not attractive. It, it, whatever it is, it seems like too much work. So how do you kind of balance that, that, you know, the, the difference between want versus need? Well, it's, I mean, Corey, it's, I mean, you bring up a, you know, you bring up a something that we've all experienced if we've been in larger firms long enough. Um, you know, there's those out there amongst us that are, um, you know, that that are high pressure salespeople that are, you know, and oftentimes they come across as charismatic or uber confident or like all knowing. And, you know, what what we aspire to and, and you know, Tom and I, you know, have hopefully created a better vision for the future, which is, you know, we're not trying to sell you anything. And I think it it self-defeats us if we sell someone something in the short run that they really don't want or need. Well, first of all, it's going to be hard to sell somebody something they don't want. But even if we were successful in the short run, it's really not setting us up for success in the long run in our career and in having a client with us for decades, right? Someone that knows they can trust us, they can give the, give us the keys to their house, their car, their wallets, their purses, and they know that they're safe. And that's what, I mean, that's, I think the truly, the, the, the most successful out there, the most successful at winning client business, that's the mindset that they have. But, you know, Corey, I, I mean, We've all seen it. I mean, there's people out there trying to sell things, and um, and and clients can sense that. And I think that ultimately, it um, you know, it's, it's self defeating. What do you when when you're in that prospecting phase, right? And I I very much took to heart the 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 piece in in the book how clients buy of creating that list, like the 200 people you should know list, right? Right, and right, create right. Create that list and then work that list. And I was like, okay, this is going to be you know a long term play. We'll create the list. You're going to work it daily. Blah blah blah. But where I struggle the most is in identifying people that. I can move into our pipeline. We're not, we're not big on um, blasting people with emails. Like we both hate to receive hundreds of emails from somebody. And if, in fact, if we sign up for your list and you start emailing us daily, we're going to unsubscribe. Oh, and I love even more right. people who email and text. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> so finding that right balance of identifying like this is a good prospect for us, or this is somebody this this person is someone we can truly help and then starting to and I'm you know it feels like a really salesy term but kind of warm them up into the pipeline and and build that relationship I understand the value of relationships and typically our you know it takes about our sales cycle is about 90 days to move roughly to move somebody somebody from first talking to them to getting them to close right which doesn't feel terrible on a service-based business. Right. And there's right, nothing right. sleazy that we do, but it's really hard to figure out these are the people that we should be looking at. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the, the, one of the things that Tom and I, um, you know, talk about in both of our books, um, is, you know, this idea that if we had close business relationships 
with 200 individuals, that would make our career. Like our career would be set up for the, you know, for the next 30 years. And, you know, I like that idea of 200 people because we're in an era of YouTube millionaires and, you know, and, 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 Twitter, you know, uh, um, stars and all this. And, you know, there's this mindset today that, you know, we need to, we need to reach millions of people. We need to reach, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And in the work that you and I do, it's just not true. It's like, we don't need to know. I mean, if you had 2 million clients, you couldn't serve them. Right. I mean, it, you you couldn't serve them with 2000 employees. So it's like, forget about that. So there's no you know, there's no I don't think there's any magic formula to picking the 200 people. I mean, it's really it's really meant to be, you know, a metaphor or an uh, analogy more than like, you know, a recipe. But um you know, it's different for every business, depending upon whether you have a local business market or a national or regional or global. But it's basically getting involved and making friends in normal, natural, humanistic ways. And, you know, I just came up with a new, you know, a new thought this this week. Um, it's not in either one of my books, but it, it's most marketing is trying to build a bigger fire hose. If I can just blast people faster, harder with more stuff, you know, I mean, that's really what marketing is geared to today. You know what? I don't want a bigger fire hose. I want a bigger magnet. So that's what I aspire to is how do we create people that are magnets and not fire hoses? Oh, I love that. That's that's really that's a very, very different way of looking at it. It is. And when you when you're out there and you're meeting people, the, the everybody knows the whole no like and trust and, and all of that. Like it, I feel like that's more important than experience. A lot of people want to say, Oh, I've done this. I've worked for this company. I've done X, Y, or Z, but if I don't like you, I'm not going to buy from you. So, I mean, we, like, what do you think is more important there? Just building that, that brand, that awareness, like the no like and trust versus just actually like going out there and, and showing that you can do the job. Well, okay, so if we're not good at what we do, whatever it is we do, whatever our craft, if we're not good at what we do, we're not going to be in business very long, right? And so it's one of the reasons why you tend to see most successful rainmakers have some modest degree of, of, of experience. It doesn't have to be 50 years of experience, but whatever you do, you're probably not going to be really good at it in the first six months. You're probably not going to be really good at it in the first 18 months. It's probably going to take you a minimum of five years. If you just think back on your own careers, you you probably weren't really good at what you do when you were 24. But maybe by the time you're 30 or 34, you can be really good at what you do. But back to your, you know, question, Corey. Um, okay, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be a little bit contrarian here. I, I propose that respect is more important than likability, unless you're selling Tupperware and condos. Okay. If you're selling Tupperware and condos and Corollas, sure. You know, 
being like quick with a joke or, you know, uh, a high five is important. But if, if you're a financial advisor or you're going to take over like, uh, you know, search engine optimization for, you know, for my organization, I would rather respect the person's pr- professional cre- credibility than like them. That being said, um, I have come to appreciate that likability is like a valve. And so the valve, if you are so unlikable, the valve is closed to respect and trust. And when someone likes you, not in a sleazy way, but in a genuine way, it opens the valve and allows respect and trust to flow between two humans. So, um, you know, I think when we go out into the universe and try to be quote unquote likable, we come across as phony and fake and kind of like a sleazeball. And I really don't want to like that person. But if I, if I meet you at a coffee shop or, or, you know, or a conference or whatever, and you just seem like a real person, you know, that's the kind of person I want to get to know, not someone that's trying to like fill their pocket with 500 business cards. Right. So that's, that's what I mean by likable. And I think it's a valve that allows respect and trust to flow. This was one of my favorite parts of the book because I actually highlighted it, dog-eared it, and put a little sticky note on this section. Poor Corey. Poor Corey. <laughs> well, because he's, he's... <laughs> yes, I'm sure he's he 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 would agree. Poor Corey, but for many 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 reasons, Doug. Um, but one of the reasons that I liked this part so much is because this is an ongoing conversation that we have about the importance of being likable. Right. In terms of, you know, working with clients and what we have found is that our clients all, I think, with the exception of maybe one, all really like us. Right. Yes. And and, um, and I and but I, I and I don't think that we would have. I wonder if we would have gotten the business if they didn't realize first that they liked us because of just what you just described with that valve. So it's it plays an important role, but it sort of is the pivot point that allows people to see, okay, they are actually experts in what they're talking about, and I'm able to hear that because I actually like them as people and I want to engage with them. Well, and on the flip right. side, I would say that if you took somebody, if let's say Doug was just a very unlikable person, I think he would have a harder time trying to sell his services because people are automatically going to put, like, I, I think, lessen the amount of respect they have for him because they just dislike him. I'm not saying that you're dislikable, Doug, but yeah. I like you, Doug. <laughs> I've, 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 I've definitely met some people that don't like me, but, uh, but that's, uh, that's true of all of us. You know, here's the thing. Um, and, and I do this, I do this in the second book and I bet if you sat down with Corey or three of your other friends or whomever, you know, over beers one night and just had this conversation around what does it mean to be likable? I think at the end of the day, we know in our stomach what, you know, how someone makes us feel, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so um, we know, also know what unlikable people are like, right? If, if someone talks all the time about themselves 
and they're trying to figure out what they can get from you. And they're looking over your shoulder to see who they can talk to that's more important than you. You know, at the end of the day, that person is self-serving and they're not they're not very likable. I think at the end of the day, people like people that um, that share, that are kind, that are empathetic, that are interesting, that are smart, that listen as much as they talk, and they want to make you better. They want to make you feel good. And so, you know, there's nothing phony about that. It's just being a good person. And, um, and so, um, yeah, anyway, I mean, we, you know, without trying to, uh, you know, take over the podcast on this one topic, I mean, honestly, you know, the three of us could have a two hour discussion on what it means to be likable, but, uh, but anyway, it's, it's definitely a component to work, um, the work that we do, because at the end of the day, we're in the relationship business and it's hard to have a relationship with someone that doesn't like you. So, you know, I guess we can just debate, you know, what it means to be likable. But in addition to being likable, I mean, they have to also trust us and they have to respect our professional, you know, capabilities as well. Yeah. I, it's complex. It, it really is. I want, I want to change the direction of the conversation just a little bit. Cause I know we're coming up on, on time here. It, it goes so quickly. When, when you think about people that sell services that sell them as if they're selling a product, right? What are, what right. are, what are some of the key things that people get wrong that hold them back from being really, really good at what they do? Like what, if, if I sold our services, like it was a product, like I was trying to sell you a toothbrush, like what are, what? what are some of the things that I'm doing that are just completely destroying my ability to actually really grow the business? I think, I think you touch on an important, um, important thing, Julie, which is um, most of us that when we come into the role of partner or solopreneur or, you know, in some sort of capacity where we have to win client business and professional services, we come with so many hangups and baggage about what selling is and everything we have learned or think we have learned through osmosis about selling products is really counterproductive in the professional services. It's, it's, it's not only not helpful, it's, it's harmful. And so the first thing that Tom and I talk about in, in how clients buy is just never say sell, never say selling. You are not selling. You are building relationships with people that you would like to help. And in fact, Tom's new book, I know you're going to be talking to Tom soon. Um, Tom's new book with Jacob Parks is labeled Never Say Sell. So it's just such a different way of seeing the world is such a different mindset and point of view that I think if you come into your role as trying to sell, I think you will fail. Agreement. That is the only reason I think I'm able to sell is because I don't approach it from a sales perspective generally. And and anybody who is a salesperson who I talk to who then says, come on, try and close me, close me. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really how I do it. Like, like it, right, right, you know, I'm not, right. I'm not hardcore about it. And some people would argue yeah, that yeah. makes me not a great salesperson, but I feel well, genuine you know, about here's it. 
Yeah, here's the thing. You know, just quickly, I'll just touch on this. Listen, I know your audience is is diverse, and you've got you've got lots of business people out there that are selling products, mm-hmm. and and we need products. I mean, you know, we're surrounded with awesome products, and so we need good salespeople that sell products. It just so happens that eighty percent of the economy is made up of services. And what we think we know about selling products is counterintuitive for 80% of us. And so um, we, have to, we have to learn a new way of seeing the world. We have to learn a new skill set. And, you know, that's my hope, you know, with the research that I've done and with the books is to, is to try to help people in that regard. Yeah, and that's something that I'm st- I've been working on since we started this because I come from a product based background prior to getting into consulting, and the concept of selling my time is weird. Um, but before we go, uh, is there anything that we can do for you? Well, you've already helped me enormously in that you are helping spread the gospel. Um, uh, thank you for helping um, you know um, educate people and and and. Um, and and tell them about our books, how clients buy and how to win client business. Um, so uh, thank you. Great. And thank you, Doug. And thank you to our listeners. And everything that you need to know about Doug will be in our show notes. And don't forget to tune in next week. We have, or next week, Thursday, um, we're going to have Tom on. So make sure to, ch- to tune You'll in. You'll love that. Tom. He's a great, great guy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. Um, is there a, a website or anything, um, Doug, that you want to direct our listeners to or just direct them to Amazon to buy your books? Yeah, they can certainly they can certainly find the books um, on Amazon. They can search for the titles or my name. Um, and um, I do have a website, uh, FletcherAndCompany.net. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. So um, thank you. Come Come visit me. I'd love to love to talk to you. That's where I stalked you out on LinkedIn. <laughs> He's very <laughs> responsive, guys. So go ahead and drop him a note. Um, and if you guys are interested in working with us, we've got tons of free content that's available. Um, you can find everything you need to know on sbpace.com. And if you're at the point where you're actually ready to pay us for our services, well, you can head over to sbpace.com as well, because we would love to work with you. We've got social media, pretty much everything you can think of, except the Twitter. We're not on the Twitter, but every place else, we're there. Don't forget to download and rate this podcast, subscribe and give us a review and reach out to us about any topics or if you want to be a guest on the show. And don't forget to check out our radio show, Defeat the Chaos, which is on the Voice America business channel. And all of that information is on our website as well. Yes. Oh, we have a book. It's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It is an Amazon bestseller. It also comes with a digital download workbook companion. And if you already purchased the book, go rate and review it because we love feedback. That is it for today. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.